It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Smith rifles that one to Mims. And that's a foot race. He's going to win. Touchdown, Baylor. Denzel Mims with another monster score of 70 yards. Five straight games, Anthony, where he's got a touchdown catch of over 20. That's to the middle of that line, and it's a touchdown. Big return for Crowder, 85 yards. There was contact with the quarterback, and it's incomplete. They got pressure on Prescott. It was Adams who came blitzing in. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff, and it's the Q-inator. Oh, my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the TOJ Digital Studio, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And it's time for X and O Quick Hits, featuring the man who breaks down the film like nobody's business over at JetsXFactor.com. That, of course, the host of Blewett's Blitz, Mr. Joe Blewett. Joe, how are you, sir? Uh, you know, man, it's, uh, I just want the Jamal Adams stuff then. We're not going to get into it. <laughs> I just, that's all I'm thinking about right now. I'm going to bed, waking up, like, is he traded? Is he not traded? Is he signing? Is he not signing? So I want that to end. And if that doesn't end, I, I, I'm hoping there's a football season to distract myself because with that being the only news right now, it, it, it's hard to not just delete your Twitter, <laughs> which I'm not going to do again. But damn, it, it it is it is hard times right now without it being the only news with no actual football to talk about. Well, to take our mind off of Jamal Adams, instead of talking about him, let's talk about a different safety. We'll start the discussion today about Ashton Davis, who the Jets picked at number sixty-eight overall, third round out of Cal. Very talented kid, incredible athlete, track star. You took a look at his film. What did you see from him, both positive and negative? So it's it's, it's kind of funny that we're, we're we're starting with this because this is. And we'll talk about the other picks, too. Um, I'm not as high on Davis as some other people are, and I know there's plenty of respected people who are, who are high on him. A lot of people said he, you know, late first-round pick, maybe a second-round pick, or, or early third, whatever it may have been, if he was able to run. And I, I get that he pr- probably would have been, like, a, a low 4-4 guy, maybe a, a high 4-3. You can never exactly tell how fast somebody's going to run, but I would say in that, um, window and with the strengths, you know, you see the rare, you know, uh, athletic ability, the great character, um, the top end speed, the acceleration, the fluidity, the range, the toughness. Like you, he has a lot of good traits um, that you like: change of direction skills, uh, ball skills. He offers the special teams versatility, both as a gunner or a returner, whatever you want him to to do. Um, like I say, he's aggressive with punching the ball out. There's some things you definitely like, but this is one of the episodes where. I figured, okay, we're watching a, a, a DB, a guy who played both a little bit of like slot corner um, and safety. Why not bring in Marcus Coleman, former DB in the NFL for 11 years? And we both kind of had the same opinion where he has all those athletic traits, but in terms of his instincts, you know, recognition, um, and a lot of other technical aspects, he, he definitely is lacking severely where – a lot of people, oh, you know, he's the he's replacement for Adams or May if they leave in year one. And we spoke about it before. Um, that's definitely not going to happen in, in, in year one. He's super raw. Could it happen in year two? Maybe. But he's not a guy who's even close, I think, to playing a prominent role because he is so raw, like I said, uh, with his instincts, with his recognition, um, his tackling. He comes into tackles really uncontrolled. He gets distracted by contact. There was a play 
I forget what game it was, but there was a wide open gap for the running back. Uh, I think they threw the B gap. Uh, the running back's running right at him, and he sees a crack block coming from the receiver on the outside. And instead of squaring up and tackling the running back, he drops his shoulder into the receiver for no reason. And if the running back wasn't tackled from behind, it would have been a 60-yard touchdown that Davis let up because he wanted to put his shoulder into the into the receiver instead of coming uh, you know coming into the tackle controlled like he should have. So he completely took himself out of play for no reason. It was confusing. Uh, there's a lot of plays where you know he's in a deep coverage, you know he's in a deep third, deep half, whatever it might be or maybe, and because he's playing at college, he's reading the, the quarterback's eyes, but that's all he'll really do. Like, he's not really great at recognizing routes in front of him and, and making plays on the ball because of that. It's more, okay, you know, I'm a freak athlete. Um, I see the quarterback throw the ball, and I, and, I, and I run to that ball, whereas in the NFL, to make those plays, you need to have recognition and start breaking on that throw before the ball is even thrown. So he's too reliant on the quarterback's eyes. Um, so you can't rely on them deep. Because I, I, I think he will get looked off. Um, I wouldn't rely on him deep either because he's a great tackler. He's not a great tackler. Marcus May, um, one of the best things about him is he's a really good open field tackler for the most part, minus the Beckham play, which I still don't know what happened that play. Um, Davis cannot do that. Like that's a, that's a trade that's you know not really looked at too much in terms of safety. You need to be able to tackle in the open field. So um, that's concerning. Uh, I think he's distracted by contact. I think in man coverage he has the fluidity but he's super impatient with his feet. His upper body becomes too aggressive. He becomes off balance. He's not sure, um, you know, in terms of like his footwork, what footwork he should take. Uh, there's times where he's breaking out routes and he looks back to the quarterback too early and then he'll lose the receiver on a double move. Um, on double moves, he'll, he'll attack um, too hard of an angle at the, at the receiver instead of attacking the, the near shoulder. So if the receiver does cut back upfield, you know, there becomes um, incidental contact and you slow down that, um, that route with just your position. That's how you want to attack double moves. So like, there's a lot of things um, that he's super, super raw with. Now I get the pick, even though I don't think it's as great of a pick as some other people do. I get the picks because of the athletic ability. Um, but it, I think people are lying to themselves that they don't think he has a, t- a ton of room um, to grow before he could play in a prominent role. So we saw off as kind of a negative. Again, could he develop into a really good center fielder? For sure. He has the athletic ability to do it, but the game is 95% mental to me, which he's lacking at this point, which, you know, makes sense. He's relatively new work to the position. Like he wasn't recruited for, for football and all that stuff to Cal. He's, you know, tracking and walk on, et cetera. So um, it's expected, but he's not coming out of, out of college, like, a, you know, which he's been a little bit disappointed, like a Malik Hooker or any one of these guys, you know. So um, it's going to be interesting, his track of development, but it, I wouldn't expect a lot from him uh, year one minus a few, you know, flashy special teams playing. You know, maybe he's asked to do some sim- uh, simple things like shallow zones or maybe man up on a tight end and he might make a play or two. But if you're relying on him to be that deep guy or play a prominent role, I, I think you're going to be um, a little bit disappointed, at least year one. Let's clear something up here, Joe, because there are people that have suggested that if Jamal Adams were to be traded or if something else were to happen there, that Davis could step in right away at strong safety or they could just shift Marcus May over to strong safety and put Davis at free safety. There's no way that the Jets could actually consider doing that, is there? No, there's, there, I, and I will take a hard stance on that. There's absolutely no way you could rely on Davis to start year one. Unless... Obviously, unless it takes an unprecedented um, step in the right direction, like I said, there was times I saw him struggle at Cal and off coverage or all the things I just talked about. Um, in the NFL, that's going to be um, expanded on. Like Those struggles are going to be expanded on. I'm not good with words. Uh, so in year one, absolutely no way he could, he could start. Honestly, I would feel more comfortable 
um, with a guy like Mateus Farley, if he's back this year starting over, over Davis. Now, obviously going to the future, you, you want Davis to take a step in the right direction, but I would pick Farley over, over Davis playing prominent role because, like I said, Davis is a traits pick, a developmental guy, which is fine. We're shooting, this is one of the picks um, where, you know, where he's shooting for the stars versus the other picks uh, with, you know, guys we're talking about uh, with Zuniga and P. Ryan, where it's more of a safe pick. Um, this is a raw player who needs a lot of time to develop. So he's not a year one replacement for Adams, for May, for, for nobody. Like he, listen, and, and, and he's not Jamal Adams in the box. And like I said, with him playing deep, he can't rely on him in both coverage because it looked off and then he'll give a big plays and he can't come down and tackle, um, you know, like May can, uh, you know, in the open field. And May, when he played for those games that, you know, in, in the box where Jamal Adams was injured, May didn't look so great in the box. So I think May is a strictly a deep guy. Like he could come up and play a little bit, but, you don't want that to be his full-time role. So um, if Adams is traded, they, they have a hole there for sure. It, it, it'll be a big hole in 20, uh, 2020. Right, that's what I'm saying. I don't think either one of those two guys is capable of being a full-time strong safety. It would completely play to their weaknesses and away from their strengths, right? Yeah, exactly. Right, right now you're looking uh, – and, and like this year, like now you're looking at the Jets as one of the best safety duos in the league, uh, mainly because of Adams, but it also allows – um, Marcus May to play deep and you know he, he's not a super rangy guy but he's he's pretty efficient he, he gets the spots he needs to be at um, he's a solid tackle you can come into the box and blitz a little bit like he's an all-around type guy but he's not Ed Reader he doesn't have a, he doesn't have elite uh, ball skills or recognition like a guy like you know like a Weddle or Harrison Smith or whoever you want to name does but he's solid back there um, but now if you transition from Adams and May to Davis and and May, uh, that's that's it's definitely a lacking group. It's below average for sure. Um, Adams makes that much of a difference. We're not getting into the Adams conversation, but um, I think Davis has the ability to, to like if he develops into what I think he could be. I think he will be. He could be a guy who would play anything. Like he has the ability to play in the box because he's aggressive. Even though I think he's a little bit light for the box in the NFL, but he could come up and play there. He could play deep. He could play men on receivers because he's that fluid and that fast he, he could uh he could set the edge a little bit because of his aggression um he could play deep because of his range um in any zone whether it be a one or, or a cover two or three or six whatever it is so he has all those abilities but year one uh absolutely no way in, in my opinion is he is he ready for any of that Let's move on to the Jets' second pick in the third round. Jabari Zaniga, defensive end slash outside linebacker out of Florida. What do you see when you look at his tape positively and negatively? Obviously, both of us were pretty high on Ja'Kai Polite, and that didn't work out, although I would argue that a lot of it had to do with stuff that has nothing to do with football. Zaniga apparently has a much better head on his shoulders. Where does he compare talent-wise, and should the Jets expect anything from him? You're number one. Yeah, and this is like the whole thing with Polite is like, okay, they shouldn't have picked Zuniga because of Polite, and the Jets shouldn't have picked Donald because of Matt Leinart and Barkley and um, Mark Sanchez. Like, you know, that you, we, we, we both know without saying that's a dumb argument. So um, they're completely different players. This is a pick where I said, like, Ashton Davis is shooting for the Stars. This is a little bit more of like a safe pick, but Zuniga's never going to be a guy because of his athleticism, like some of the areas he's, he's lacking athletically where he's going to be – um, you know, Khalil Mack or, or Von Miller, any one of those guys. Like his arms, a decent length, 32 inch arms. I think it's instead of eight inch arms, so almost 33, which is good, not great. You know, he has good straight line speed. 
Um, but in terms of like that bendiness and that twitchiness you need from the edge, like you see like guys like Khalil Mack or Von Miller, or even like, you know, a couple of years ago, Josh Allen, guys who can really bend, you really need that to be able to corner um, when you are trying to flatten off, off, off of the arc. So like you need that stuff um, that he doesn't necessarily have. So he's more of a safe guy, but he's also like, he's interesting. Like he's not laterally explosive, but like he's almost, and trust me, I'm not making the one one comparison necessarily in terms of how good they were in college, but like, almost more of like a Jadavion Clowney type athlete where like he's super, he's super explosive in a straight line. Um, and has a good build, but is not necessarily like a bendy twitchy type guy off the edge, which is why Clowney was always a better guy in the run game than he was in the, in the past game. Um, so like, that's like, he, he'll, you're not going to be Clowney because Clowney is a little bit more freakish to him, but he's not necessarily bendy either, but he has some interesting traits. Like I said, you know, six, three, uh, two sixty. I, I know he ran like a mid, uh, four, uh, 0.640, whether it be like a four, uh, 6'4", 4'65", whatever it was, which is which is solid for that weight. So he's a straight-line, explosive athlete um, who has good burst off the snap. I think he has good hand placement, you know, good power in the hand. He showed some pass rush moves, which is mostly like rips, clubs, and I think they take a little bit more power. Um, he's good at setting the edge. So I think he's going to be a really good, like, like edge um player in terms of the run game and I think which a lot of people have it's been circulated around that he'll be a guy who who moves to the interior because of his speed and his power combination um who could give guards fits and centers fits blitzing um from the interior on nickel um type situations which is a lot of situations now but I'm talking about like more like third and long situations you don't want him necessarily you know setting or, or holding up two gaps in the run game at, at 260 in the interior but if you are going to ask him to to penetrate or be the looper or something like that in a in a um in a blitz or if you're going to you know try to carry the 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 left tackle through right guard you know on on a certain type of blitz and he's blitzing from the backside and now he's one-on-one with a guy where he can shoot an interior gap like he has that ability because he is a straight line guy and has power to work through hands and things like that so um, he'll be interested in that in, in in that way but there are obviously also weaknesses you know his, his snap timing is inconsistent his pass rush plan is inconsistent he'll kind of just he'll kind of just lean into a guy and not really have a way of defeating the hands at, at the first phase or the second phase when he's trying to defeat those hands um, to, to respond to however the, the offensive lineman locked him up. Like, he, he lacks that ability to win in the first phase. And then, like I said, uh, two half counter moves. There, there's, there's that, the shorter arms, um, the bend. Uh, his tackle radius was frustrating to watch at times where um, there was a couple tackles he should have made, because, but because he's not the most fluid athlete from his hips and his shorter arms, um, there's a lot of tackles that are broken, and I saw them broken at Florida. So now at the NFL, when he's trying to corral Deshaun Watson or Lamar Jackson or any one of the many uh, more agile quarterbacks coming up, it's a new trend in the NFL where, you know, the, back in the day, it was the Peyton Manning, then the Tom Brady's pocket passers. Now it's the Lamar Jackson's, Russell Wilson, um, et cetera. Even Sam Darnold, you know, like the, those are guys who are not necessarily the easiest to bring down at times. Josh Allen um, in the division, Tua, you know, so. Um, that's frustrating at times with him. Uh, the change of direction, like so, there's definitely some some limiting athletic traits that he has. But uh, I think in terms, in terms of some of his technique, he's pretty solid. So I think he's a he's a poor man's Davion Clowney type player right now, where he's good in some areas athletically, like I said, straight on explosion, power, things like that. But it's never going to be a guy who's going to get you uh, ten plus sacks unless you know it's a it's a Calvin Pace uh, two, with a two thousand and 10 year or whatever it was where he got 10 sacks is more cleanup type duty because he's a high effort player. But 
um, which I should mention about Zuniga as well. I, I do like his, his effort and his motor for sure as well. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Joe, what about the fourth round picks that the Jets made? And we'll start with the first one. Zuniga's teammate at Florida, LaMichael Pirine. Now, this is a guy that, from what I watch, seemed to be sort of a poor man's Bilal Powell, if that makes any sense. Good at a bunch of things, not especially great at anything, not particularly explosive or a great athlete. What did you see when you watched this tape? Yeah, I, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say a poor man's Blau Powell. I would just say a different Blau Powell, where, where Blau Powell was a little bit more explosive than P Ryan is, but P Ryan also has more power than Blau Powell does. And and I think that's like a decent comparison, at least for Jets fans. Like relatively, there probably are better examples of backup running backs out there who who are a better comparison for P Ryan. But like I said, uh, for the case of just Jets fans, kind of having like the understanding of what he is the role he'll play. I think that's the type of player he is. And, and honestly, like, listen, there are guys with McFarland out there, uh, all the other people, all the other running backs that Jets fans wanted. But at the same time, I think right now, if you could sign up for him to having a Blau Powell type, you know, uh, career, I think we'd sign up for that for a fourth round pick. Uh, even though Blau Powell, I think in the earlier years, you know, 2014, 15, 16 was criminally underused. I think he could have been a decent uh, to below average starter, which is, you know, it's solid for the pick, for the for the place that Blau Powell was picked. But yeah, he's a guy who's like he's a safe pick. Again, there were some guys who were more explosive. Um, 
available at that time who might end up busting out because they don't reach their ceiling where P Ryan's a guy who's never going to be a top flight explosive, uh, take the ball 60 yards to the house type guy, but he's also a Boyle Powell type guy in the sense of, okay, he'll, he'll consistently get you three, four, five yards, won't run backwards, will always fall forward, um, has a wide range of skills, uh, of skills, but not necessarily a master of any of them. So, um, I, 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 it's a pick that I'm, I'm good with. I'm okay with it. I'm not ecstatic with it, but at the same time, I, I get getting a safe guy. Um, and there are plenty of guys. Like if you, if you look at, if you look through our history, um, I'm not saying he's going to be any one of these type of players, but there's plenty of guys who don't necessarily have the best athletic traits, um, who were really good players. You know, Terrell Suggs, uh, Larry Fitzgerald, um, running back, looking on just the, the same team. Frank Gore was never a guy who was ridiculously good at one thing, but is really consistent for a long time because he's good at everything. So like, and I'm not comparing directly to Frank Gore. Frank Gore's in the Hall of Famer, but you get what I'm saying. So he could be, you know, I think he's going to be like a, a, a dual system type back, a guy who is not going to get Le'Veon Bell snaps. So maybe he, you know, if the Jets run it, you know, let's say 2021 with him and another running back, whether it be Bell, probably not. And another guy, he gets, you know, 200 carries. He's never made a guy who gets 350 carries and things like that. So um, I like the contact balance. I like the, the vision. I like the ball security. Um, I like that he always is falling forward for extra yardage. Um, I think he's a patient, patient runner, one cut guy. Um, he's not going to be, ba- he's not going to be jump cutting three, three gaps like some other guys in the NFL can. So he's like a, he's like a one cut type guy, see the hole and hit it. Um, but not going to explode to the outside and outrun guys, to, uh, outrun guys to the sideline. But I think he's smart with his read, uh, reads. I think he manipulates defenders going into, into gaps where, you know, he'll, he'll stay a little bit more tight inside to the, to the center's ass. Um, to get the, the the Mike linebacker to bite inside it and, and bounce it outside um, off of the guards, um, you know, left cheek or right cheek, wherever way you're running. So like he does some things that, that I definitely um, like. Enjoys contact. He has good a good hand. Um, he is a willing pass blocker. He has to work on his technique in terms of coming into those blocks where he'll duck his head a little bit and just throw his arms out there. Where the NFL guys will will be able to defeat those blocks easier than you know guys who play at Florida. So um, he has. He has the, those abilities and, and more. I don't want to list every single or say everything. Every single thing I listed in the strengths and weaknesses. Um, but then there are the weaknesses that um, are going to hold him back from ever being a top-flight guy. You know, Zeke or Barkley or whoever, Gurley, Henry, et cetera, et cetera. Well, not Gurley anymore, but um, you know, you know what I'm talking about. So the the short area uh, change of direction, the burst um, isn't isn't there. Um, while it's not bad, it's not great either. Um, he doesn't force a ton of missed tackles, as you can see. You know, he'll, he might turn forward for another couple of yards, but he's not going to break three guys' ankles in the open field, even like a Le'Veon Bell can. Um, there's some times where I think he concedes the rush a little bit too early, where I thought he had bigger lanes to run through, um, and he'll kind of just take the safe two, three yards, and I thought he could have got 10, 15 yards that were a little bit frustrating. But the overall explosion that, that, that he lacks, the top-end speed that we've talked about, um, and there's some minor things like uh, I think he just shorten his stride a little bit in the backfield where he, his gate's a little bit too open, which doesn't allow for quick change of direction. Like, there's some little tiny technical things, but in terms of the bigger traits we're talking about, um, he lacked the overall explosion, but a good technical, smart, reliable player. So it's never going to be a home run pick, but it's like hitting a solid, you know, like people compare it to a baseball, like a solid single or double um, type, type pick, which, like I said, I'm okay with. Not a static, um, but I, like I said, it's 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 decent. It gets like a like a B minus B type of grade instead of like a maybe like an A plus, like some others might get. If nothing else, he does seem to be a pretty good fit for the system, right? Yeah, zone system. Um, 
you don't necessarily want them bursting through holes like like you'd have to in a you know in a power or counter scheme. I, I think he's a guy who's the, who can manipulate runners or, or gaps um, in a zone system, take guys where he wants them, and then cut through whatever gap is vacated, which is what a lot of zone is. It's a lot of it's a lot of reading guys making one cut and getting the yards you can with plays like power and counter might be a little bit more of a, the explosive type plays, hitting holes. Um, and getting up up the field where, like I said, the, the zone is more setting up your blocks and it's taking what's open. Um, not to say that you can't ex- create explosive plays from zone, but I would bet that more gap power type plays um, create more explosive plays than zone do. I'm, I'm sure if there was somebody who could chart that, that would be the case. Uh, maybe I'm wrong, but that's my opinion on it at least. So, uh, yeah, zone zone runner. Um, the Jets seem like they're going to run more inside zone again. Like they have some outside zone guys, but – I think with the offensive line they're building, it's more of guys who have decent mobility, um, but definitely have some power as well. Where it's not like if you had a bunch of George George Fant, yeah, you'd want to run outside zone. But you know you have Beckham who's a power guy, Clark who's a power, um, who has some power to him, a Govern who can move but has some power. So I, I think there'd be more inside zone type guys, and I think that's what that's what uh, P Ryan fits into into best. Where outside zone, obviously. You're, you're widening your, your rushing track and you need to be able to run a little bit more to the sideline, outrun guys to the sideline where uh, inside zones is a little bit more manip- uh, manipulating guys um, and just taking a couple of yards where, like I said, outside zones a little bit more of uh, – of, uh, you need a little bit more athletic ability. So he's, a, he's definitely a fit. Let's talk Captain Morgan, Joe. This was the pick that a lot of people were confused about because the Jets have a lot of needs. We're talking about the fourth round here. So they're picking a quarterback that – if you're lucky, doesn't even end up playing. And I know that getting a quarterback that can step in when you need him, when the quarterback that you have as your star quarterback gets hurt is important. But how important is it when you weigh the rest of the needs that the team had? And also, he's not going to play this year, so you're only going to get him for three years. And then at the end, he's probably gone if he's worth anything. Otherwise, he sticks around, Mm -hmm. and how much was he really worth in the first place? So this is a peculiar pick, especially when you can get a guy like Joe Flacco for a million dollars. But... Having said that, you can see the flashes of talent that made Joe Douglas and Adam Gase be hopeful that he can be something at the NFL level. I'm not sure that I'm convinced that he's going to be anything special, but definitely some arm talent. Big kid, can throw, smart kid, really understands offenses. So talk to me a little bit about how that translated to the tape you watched. Yeah, so with, with the pick, like, it, this is another pick where it's like, okay, like, it gets like a C, C plus for me, but, you know, there are obviously some receivers that, that fans wanted or a corner or a linebacker, whoever was there. I don't remember exactly who was there at the time, but there was definitely guys that Jets fans were clamoring for. Even Bryce Hall, who, who uh, you know, Morgan was, was picked over. But at the same time, it's like, it's interesting because, you know, Jets fans complained about not wanting or not having a backup quarterback last year. Um, which Morgan, you know, he's not a primary backup this year anyway, but um, which is which is another interesting situation because they had Simeon. Simeon, I thought was a good backup plan. You know, for, I think he was like thirteen and twelve as a starter, and then got um, obviously signed with the Jets. So I thought he was a good backup. But my problem with last year was just just running Falk and and, and fails out there after that point where they should have tr- signed the guy or something because they were just brutal. So fans complain about not having a backup quarterback, and then they draft a backup quarterback, and they're kind of mad. But by the same sense, um, like you were saying, he's not a year one guy. He he should not be the backup year once he has plenty of development to do. He's from a small school. Um, he has to learn the NFL games. So you have Flacco for that. 
But the point you made, years two, three, four, okay, he can be a good backup. But if he's worth anything, he won't be signing with the Jets, obviously, assuming that Sam Darnold works out and he doesn't want to continue to be a backup. So it's like a three-year um, investment. So I get needing a backup quarterback throughout the cliches about how, Foles and, uh, how, Foles, how, how important Foles was to the Eagles a couple of years ago, which is true. But at the same time, there were more pressing needs, even though I think backup quarterback is an underrated uh, position of need for, for every team. If you don't have a backup quarterback, a good backup quarterback who can come in and, you know, not like last year where the Jets, when, when they didn't have Donald, we knew they were going to lose every single game, especially when it's fall from those guys. Like, we absolutely knew they were going to lose. Where maybe if, if Morgan came in, let's say the, the situation was in 2021, Donald goes out for three games, and maybe he just win one of those games. Like, how much would have one game, you know, changed the 2008 season or the 2015 season, you know? So, like, which I don't know, those guys didn't get injured necessarily, but you know what I mean? Like, one game can make the difference. So, I get the need for a backup quarterback. At the same time, I don't love the pick because there was guys there that everybody wanted. Um, now, in terms of the the player, like you said, you know, six four two uh, two thirteen, so he has good typical quarterback size that you want. Um, and this is another guy where it's it's a lot of traits, but the 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 technical work uh, isn't there. So you see the big time arm, you see the velocity on balls, you see the he has you know, decent mobility. He can throw a good deep ball, tight spiral. Um, he will take a shot uh, in the face to deliver a ball. So you, so you like that. You like his, you like his toughness. You like the ability to fit balls into tight windows. Um, even though his accuracy is sporadic at some times, others it's not where he can, he can really, really fit a ball into a tight window between three defenders because his arm allows him to do so. So you, you see the flashes. Um, you see the poise. You see the ability to keep his eyes downfield um, when working through a, a murky pocket. Like there are definitely um, some positives there. You know, he can also, and this is, just comes with natural arm talent. There are some times he'll throw a perfect ball 45 yards between the defender, between two defenders, while he's fading away and, and falling back in his feet or even throwing from an open stance, which is something you don't want to see. So um, he has the athletic ability, but then the weaknesses come into play. The, the knee injury in the, season, in the senior, uh, senior season is concerning. His base is, is narrow when he, when he throws, and it's not necessarily narrow um, as he goes to throw. It's narrow as he finishes his delivery, so he doesn't really step through his front foot. Um, I always talk about you want that lead foot, your front foot, you know, driving towards your target or where you want the ball to go, and your hallway, which is your the, the midpoint of your back foot, pointed to where you want the ball to go as well, and you really want to step through that create torque and like a whip-like motion from your hips all the way through your arms. And that's what generates that power through your arm and accuracy and things like that, which is body mechanics where he really just, he, his feet are not set properly, doesn't step through, his hallway is not set. He steps in the bucket just like Sam Donald does, where instead of driving towards, he kind of works laterally and it becomes much more of an arm throw. So there might be eight out of 10 throws that look great in a tight window, but then he'll also have two, you know, two balls out of those 10 sail over a guy's head or be too far out or too far behind because he's relying too much on his arm. We're obviously a perfect mechanics. You want to activate your full body. So um, he struggles with that, with that accuracy. Um, there are times where he will take unnecessary stacks where he has to learn, just like Donald kind of does, where he needs to, to learn to throw the ball away, where he'll drift around a little bit too much in the pocket and try to find a guy open and not have that um, internal clock be, be proper. Um, he could be a little bit reckless chucking the ball up. There's one play, I don't remember specifically who it was against, but he evades one sack, another guy's bringing him down, and while he's being brought to the ground, he just 
he loads the ball up and chucks it deep down the field without even seeing where he's throwing the ball at defenders in the area. It wasn't picked, um, but he has a tendency to just try to chuck the ball up to hope something happens in situations where it's not necessarily. Now, now if it's, you're down seven, it's the last drive of the game, and no matter what, you're going to lose if you don't get the first down, sure. But you saw him doing it on, on first and ten in the first quarter up by three points, and you got to learn to throw the ball away, let the team punt it, whatever it might be. So um, another traits-type guy who needs a lot of technical work, a lot of um, honing in in terms of his aggressiveness at times. But I, I see the intrigue in terms of the arm pound and some of the mobility he had. So um, interesting pick, but again, another like C-plus type pick, C pick, not a not an A for me. That's going to wrap up part one of this edition of X and O Quick Hits. We'll get into part two tomorrow, breaking down the rest of the 2020 draft class. In the meantime, make sure that you follow Joe on Twitter at JoeRB31, read his work, and watch his film reviews over at JetsXFactor.com. If you haven't given us a five-star review on iTunes yet, if you could go ahead and do that for us, really appreciate it. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we would be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in the New York Jets podcast, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com.